Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Howdy and good morning, faithful listener. You have tuned into the Bible Explained podcast. And you know what? I'm excited that you're here because today we're finishing up Deuteronomy chapter 2. But before I start, I want to just recap as to why I call you guys faithful listeners. You're not my faithful listeners. You are the faithful listeners of the Bible, right? Because that's what we're talking about on this podcast. So that's why I call you guys faithful listeners. It's kind of cheesy, but it works. But also, before I start, I hope you guys are enjoying the intro and outro music. I actually made it myself. And I have a really funny story about it, actually, that I wanted to talk to you guys about. So, okay, (laughs) when I first made it, it sounded a little bit different. Actually, it sounded quite a bit different from what it sounds like now. But it was still kind of jazzy, and it still kind of had a similar tune and everything. And so when I was done with that version of it, I sent it to my husband, and I wouldn't let anybody else listen to it. And my husband listen to it. And he's like, this sounds like bedroom music. And I'm like, what do you mean? It sounds like bedroom music. He's like, I don't know. It's just kind of like bedroomy. I don't know. I maybe you should change it. And I'm like, I need a second opinion here because you're wrong. <laughs> doesn't sound like bedroom music. So I sent it to my sister and she texts back and she's like, this is super sultry. Like, I don't know if this is the feel you want to go with on your podcast. <laughs> So apparently I made some like loungy bedroom music for the podcast. So I had to change it. And now what you hear is the final version. Yeah, I recorded that. I hope you guys like it. And I'm going to stick with that music theme for a while. I'm not planning on changing it anytime soon. It's just going to be what it is. But okay, let's talk about Deuteronomy 2 verses 26 through 37. We're finishing up Deuteronomy 2 today and we're going to move into uh, Deuteronomy 3 on Monday. So stay excited about that. But grab your Bible and your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and let's go ahead and read this. I'm going to read the portion that I read the other day on Wednesday. I'd like to reread that 24 through 37 and finish out this chapter today. Rise up, take your journey, and pass over the valley of the Arnon. Behold, I have given into your hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it, and contend with him in battle. Today I will begin to put the dread of you and the fear of you on all the peoples who are under the whole sky, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. I sent messengers out of the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will go along by the highway. I will turn neither to the right hand nor to the left. You shall sell me food for money that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. Just let me pass through on my feet, as the children of Esau who dwell in Seir, and the Moabites who dwell in Ar did to me, until I pass over the Jordan into the land which Yahweh our God gives us. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by him. For Yahweh, your God, hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into your hand as it is today. Yahweh said to me, Behold, I have begun to deliver up Sihon and his land before you. Begin to possess that you may inherit his land. Then Sihon came out against us, he and all of his people, to battle at Yahaz. 
Yahweh our God delivered him up before us and we struck him, his sons, and all of his people. We took all of his cities at that time and utterly destroyed every inhabited city with the women and the little ones. We left no one remaining. Only the livestock we took for plunder for ourselves with the plunder of the cities which we had taken. From Arar, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, and the city that is in the valley even to Gilead, there was not a city too high for us. Yahweh our God delivered up all before us. Only to the land of the children of Ammon, you didn't come near all the banks of the river Jabbok and all the cities of the hill country and wherever Yahweh our God forbade us. So remember, Moses is relaying all of this to the second generation of the children of Israel. And Deuteronomy is a, a retelling of the law, but it's also a retelling of the history of the Israelites also. Moses is speaking to the second generation. And what's interesting is that now he's kind of caught up a little bit. I'm sure most of the second generation, I'm sure all of the second generation already remember this battle because this would have only happened maybe a year or two prior to this, I'm going to guess. So this was not long ago, but Moses is still retelling it and penning it, writing it down so that future generations can have the history of the Israelite nation. So here's what it says in verse 24. Rise up, take up your journey, pass over the valley of Arnon. Behold, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon and his land. So God speaks to Moses and he tells Moses to pass over this land into the valley of Arnon. And so basically God says, I have not let you take any other land at all. You have been wandering in this wilderness the entire time. I have completely forbade you. I did not let you take any of the land of the Moabites, neither did I let you take any of the land of the children of Esau or the Edomites. So God fully 100% did not allow the children of Israel to take any other land other than what God had already specified. So finally, now after 40 years, practically, God is giving land to his children. Imagine how long the Israelites have been waiting for this. I mean, they've been waiting so long for their own piece of land to call their own, right? To live on, to farm, to raise their families on. I can imagine at this point, they are just like excited that they finally get their own little piece of land. But what's interesting is that Moses does not start the battle. Even though God says you are going to battle with this king, he basically like told Moses to do it. Moses instead tries to send a peace treaty to this king. So Moses did not go out and strike first. So people have asked the question, did Moses sin? Did God tell Moses to go out and battle initially? And I'm going to stick up for Moses on this one and say that I don't believe Moses sinned by sending the peace treaty. Because I don't know if God said that the children of Israel were supposed to go out to battle and instigate a fight. God doesn't often work like that. I mean, sometimes I think he does, but more often than not, God shows a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. It's kind of like nowadays where <clears throat> even though we know as Christians, someday we are going to rule the world. <laughs> that sounds really arrogant, but that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if, if you are a Christ follower, you're going to rule with me, right? Jesus is going to rule and the Christians are going to rule by his side because we share in that glory. But Jesus does not say that we go out and act like we are rulers now. In fact, he actively says to humble yourselves until the time is right. 
So that's why I'm sticking up for Moses here and saying that I don't think that he disobeyed God by sending a peace treaty. I think it was kind of that same thing where God told Moses he was going to go to battle against this king of Sihon. But that doesn't mean that Moses had to go instigate the battle. Rather, I think Moses handled it extremely well by sending the peace treaty. And this also shows that Israel was not an aggressive nation. So I think that it was good that uh, Moses did not go out and initially instigate a fight because that would have been bad. That would have looked bad on the Israelite nation, that they're a bunch of like warmongers. And that's not who they were. Clearly, they were not because they weren't allowed to fight with the other nations that had come before this king of Sihon, who was a who was he? He was an Amorite is what it says. So in my opinion, I think Moses handled it well. And perhaps this peace treaty was orchestrated by God. Perhaps God told Moses, send a peace treaty first. And the king of Sihon, his heart is going to be hardened. So that's exactly what happens, basically. And after Moses sends this peace treaty out to this king Sihon, I think I'm saying his name right, by the way, Sihon, Sihon, maybe it's Sihon, I don't know. But I'm just going to say Sihon. Okay, so this king Sihon receives the peace treaty and he was just like, nope, nope, I'm not, I'm not letting you guys even come near me. I'm going to fight you is basically what ends up happening. Even though this peace treaty was really well written, Moses is like, I'm not going to mess with you. We're just going to go straight down the path. We'll buy some food and water from you. We'll support your nation. <laughs> it's kind of what Moses is saying. But this king was like, no way. Nope. Not letting you pass through. Don't like you guys. Don't like your nation. I'm coming out to battle with you. So Sihon goes out to battle against the Israelites. And you can imagine how that ended. It did not end well for King Sihon. In fact, he died. But before all that happens, in verse 30, there's another curious verse here. It says, But Sihon, king of the Heshbon, or king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by him, for Yahweh your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, that he might deliver him into your hand as it is today. And we've talked about this before, this concept of God hardening hearts. We talked about this all through Exodus, like the beginning of Exodus, Basically, I, I covered God hardening Pharaoh's heart in Egypt a long time ago. So I'm going to reiterate some of that here. I don't actually believe for a moment that God just chooses people that he doesn't like and just decides to harden their hearts and like causes them to turn away from him. Because it says in the Bible that God does not want a single person to perish. It also says that God loves the world. It also says God loves humanity, right? And that he sent his son Jesus to die for the entire world. So it is illogical to, for me to think that God just randomly cho chose this king to harden his heart and make him obstinate. King Sihon was already not a great person, already had an obstinate heart. And God just either hardened it further and made it even more obstinate or he allowed King Sihon to harden it himself. He took his hand away because God's always trying to draw people towards him, right? I, I do believe that. I think that is biblical to say that, that God is drawing near towards people and wants people to draw near towards him. But when God takes his hand away from that and no longer actively draws that person towards him, I do believe that could be an explanation of God making somebody's heart obstinate because that person already had an obstinate heart towards God. Even though God was pulling that person towards him, 
They were actively fighting against God. So now God stops. And that person's heart just becomes more and more and more anti-God. In Romans, it talks about how God gave up people to their depraved ways. And I think that that means that God just stopped pulling people towards him. He just allowed them to do what he wants to do. He took his hand away. He's like, okay, you guys want to be anti-God? You guys want to be against me? Have at it. And then people just get worse and worse and worse and more depraved. At that point, they get more obstinate, they get more sinful. So that could be an explanation as to what this means, that God made his heart obstinate. But it also could just mean, like I said earlier, that God just made this guy's heart more obstinate. He was already obstinate. He was already anti-God, anti-Israel, anti-the Jewish people. But God just made it a little bit more so that he would go out and fight, so that this king would have this uh, fight or flight mentality and be afraid and want to go out and fight against Israel and then at that point be destroyed along with his entire nation. And that's another thing. God doesn't just destroy nations willy-nilly. They have to be doing something that's really, really bad for like a long time. Once again, that's also in God's nature that yes, he does eventually destroy nations, but it's always after a time period of sin. God's mercy is great, but yet he is just. So of course, at a certain point, he's going to have to show his judgment to that nation. And eventually he does end up destroying it. And we've seen that a handful of times already with the flood, with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and even with the last nation that Israel had battled with the, um, oh, who were they? I forget the name of them already. (laughs) Uh, Midianites, that's what they were. Yeah, the the Israelites had fought against the Midianites because the Midianites were so depraved and so evil and had caused Israel to sin very badly. So yeah, that's kind of what I think that this means. I don't believe that God just chooses random people and makes them unsaved. But unfortunately, it's verses like this, verse 30, that often cause people to wonder if God picks and chooses people he likes to get into heaven or not. That's where the entire like Calvinist movement came from and the Armenian movement. And maybe I'll do an episode about that someday. I might do a YouTube episode about that. I, I don't know yet. I've been thinking about that a lot recently and I don't fall into either category. <laughs> I am neither a Calvinist nor an Armenian. I think both have good points, but I just cannot get on either side. And so I might do an episode about why I'm neither Calvinist nor Armenian. I think that might be an interesting one to do. But okay, going back to this, the Sihon king guy's heart became obstinate and he went out and battled against Israel and Israel destroyed everybody, destroyed all the cities that were in this land and they took it as a possession. This was their first possession that Israel got, though it was not the promised land yet. Israel did receive some land for them to live in, to build up until they were able to cross over the Jordan, and finally take that beautiful promised land for themselves. And how Moses ends this chapter is by saying that we took all these different areas of this land of the Amorites, but we did not cross over into any other region. We did not do anything that God forbade us to do. I think it's important to recognize that, to recognize that Israel was not a warmongering kind of nation 
And just it shows more of God's personality because Israel was supposed to reflect God, right? I mean, that's the point of God giving Israel the laws was so that Israel could obey them and that would show the other nations what God was really like, the real God, Yahweh God. So if Israel had this reputation of being warmongering, being cruel, being, uh, you know, living by the sword, like we talked about yesterday (laughs) on the New Testament episode, then that would not reflect well on either Israel or on Yahweh God. So God, of course, was clear with Israel's boundaries and where they were supposed to stay. Well, guys, I hope you learned something from this episode. And if you did, click all the links in the description of this podcast episode and subscribe to each one. I have all my information down there where you can find me, the devotionals I've written and the books. So just click on those and subscribe to each thing so you never miss any exclusive content that P40 Ministries or the Bible Explained podcast does. And also I'm giving away two free chapters of my book out of the mire right now. If you go over to the website and subscribe to the email list and make sure you do that because you don't want to miss out on that. But I'll see you guys bright and early Monday morning. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Happy listening and God bless. Thank you.